How many ways are there to get to heaven? Some say many. Let's count them. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Listen, there's only one way to heaven, and that's the Lord's way. And if you don't come His way, you won't come at all. You won't come at all. The Bible says, as preachers, we're to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Because what they need to hear will save their souls if they put their faith and trust in Jesus. He can heal every scar. Welcome to From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve. For today's powerful, poignant, and provocative message about who will experience an eternity in the arms of God. Today on the broadcast, we're going to talk about the biggest next step that anyone, including you and me, can take in this life. And that's the next step into eternal life. God's Word is pretty clear about this next step we must take in our life. John 3.16 is often quoted, but verse 18 is strategically left out so often by some as not to ruffle any feathers, so to speak, lose a friend, or create a barrier for inclusion. John 3.16-18 through 18 is clear. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. That truth penetrates to the soul, and we'll let it do just that in today's lesson called The Step into Eternal Life from Pastor Jeff's seven-lesson series, the next step. We aired part one on Friday, but you can listen to that broadcast by clicking the listen link on our homepage at fromhisheart.org. Now, though, open your Bible and begin growing in the Lord. We'll start in Mark chapter 10 and learn what it means to take the step into eternal life. The rich young ruler, a tragic story of a man who asked the right question and responded incorrectly to the Lord's invitation to follow him. Now, this guy is successful. He is moral. He is uh, on track, so to speak. Most people would look at him and say, yeah, that's, I want to follow that guy. He's really going places. But he's a guy who messed up big time. He missed out on the most important step, the step into eternal life. So we want to look at his life and answer this question. What is necessary to take the all-important step of salvation? Three essentials. Essential number one, you must understand who Jesus is. Now, when this man comes up to Jesus, he says in verse 17, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers him, why do you call me good? And Jesus, when he asked the question, he's not saying, I'm not God. He's saying to this man, do you understand that I am God? Because no one is good except God alone. Do you understand who I am? Do you understand that I am God? See, Jesus is God in the flesh. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, for in him, speaking of Christ, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. When Peter preached to the Sanhedrin 
in Acts chapter 4, he said to him, the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. Essential number one, you must understand who he is. Essential number two, you must understand who you are. Who he is, he is the Lord of glory. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, really only two men who ever lived, Adam and Christ. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. But then you have to understand who you are. Now, when the man said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So this guy would uh, say, probably if you pinned him down, hey, are you good? Oh, no, no, no. I, I would never say that about myself. But he thought that about himself. He thought he was good. And so the Lord is going to show him himself. He's going to show this guy, this is what you really look like. Jesus said to him, verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He gives them the law. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the second tablet of the Ten Commandments. That's our our relationship, how we treat each other. And Jesus gives them the second tablet, and he says, here are the commandments. How well do you do with the commandments? And this man had the audacity to say, all these I have kept from my youth up. And so this guy's looking at the top part of the commandment. He's not going delving deeper into the commandments. And Jesus is trying to tell him, listen, you you have not kept the commandments. No one has kept the commandments. We're all guilty before God. And so what this man refused to see is what many refuse to see, and that is this. All of us are no good sinners before God. This man hadn't seen himself clearly because he didn't see that he was a no-good sinner. And so Jesus is giving him the law to try and see that you are a sinner. And so because we're no-good sinners, all of us are in desperate need of grace. Desperate need of grace. Why? Because we're separated from God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sins, Ezekiel 18.4, the soul that sins shall die. And so we're in trouble, a big-time trouble. And the purpose of the law, because the Lord is just giving him law here, the purpose of the law is to help us see that we're in need, that we're sinners, that we can't save ourselves. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 said, I came to know sin through the law. I didn't know that I was a sinner until I read in the law, you shall not covet. Now, here is what the Apostle Paul said. He said what this guy said, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen. I haven't committed murder. And then he said he was going down the list about all the things, you know, honor your father and mother. Oh, I always do that. And don't commit adultery. Oh, I'd never do that. And don't steal. Oh, I've never done that. And then he hit commandment number 10, you shall not covet. And he said, that one slew me. Because to covet means to have an evil desire. And while the apostle Paul may not have committed adultery, that didn't mean he didn't want to. When he said he'd never committed murder, that didn't mean he didn't have thoughts in his heart toward murder. 
And so you shall not covet. That was the one that showed him that he was a sinner and he was guilty before God. All of us are in desperate need. And the Bible says the reason that God gave the Ten Commandments, Galatians 3.24, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. This guy, rich young ruler, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. I don't think he understood who Jesus was fully. I mean, he understood that there was something about Jesus, just like Nicodemus did when he came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're uh, sent from God because no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. But I don't think he understood that this is God in the flesh. He just understood he's a prophet. You know, John the Baptist came with such power. John the Baptist never claimed to be God in the flesh because he wasn't. But the people would look at him. They, they said, John's a prophet. And so here comes Jesus, and he's got tremendous power in his speaking and in his, the works that he does. This guy is from God, but they didn't think this guy is God. And so this rich young ruler, he recognizes something about Jesus, not the fullness of who he is, but he has difficulty recognizing and understanding himself that he's a sinner in desperate need of grace. And so that brings us to point number three. See, not only do you have to understand who Jesus is, and not only do you have to understand who you are, but you must do business with the Lord at the core level, at the deepest level, at the heart level. And so Jesus hits him with the second tablet of the law, with the horizontal commandments, and he has the audacity to say, all these things I've kept from my youth up. And then Jesus looks at him, as it says in verse 21 and looking at him. Now, how does the Lord look at us? 1 Samuel chapter 16 says, God doesn't see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so as Jesus is looking at him, he's seeing down in his heart. He's seeing what's there. And looking at him, he felt the love for him. And it says this, one thing, Jesus said to him, one thing you lack Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Oh, people have read that, and they, I had a guy actually tell me this one time. He said, you know, I was talking to him about the Lord. Here I am. I'm a high school, uh, just graduated high school. I'm working a summer job talking to this guy about Jesus. And he said, hey, don't talk to me about Jesus. You know, if you haven't sold everything that you own, then you can't be his disciple. I said, where does it say that? He says, it says it in there somewhere. But he was, he was referring to this story. You know, th this was the only guy that Jesus ever said this to, the only guy. And we know two things for sure. No one receives eternal life by keeping the Ten Commandments. That's good news because you can't keep it and I can't keep it. Uh, Paul says, Galatians 2.16, uh, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You, you don't get saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments aren't there to save you. The Ten Commandments are there to condemn you, to lead you to Christ, to show you that you can't keep them, to show you that you need a Savior because you're sunk without a Savior. And so we know that he's not telling this guy, hey, if you keep all the commandments, you'll receive eternal life. Secondly, he's not telling him, if you give all your money away, you can buy your way in to eternal life. He is hitting this guy at the core issue in his life. See, what is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments? The first commandment of the first tablet. Exodus chapter 20, 
verses 2 and 3. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This man had a God before God. That was his God was gold. His master was money. He was very rich. And so Jesus hits him at the point of his God, at the point of his idol that is in his heart, and says, listen, if you want to receive eternal life, if you want to inherit eternal life, you got to ditch your false God and put your faith and trust in the true God. And your false God is all wrapped up in money. That is your idol. And so you have to get rid of that. And you have to come to me in total surrender. See, true salvation requires a full surrender to the Lord. You can't get there any other way than total surrender. And that's why Jesus said to him what he said to him. He didn't say that to anybody else. He just said that to this guy. Why? Because this guy was trusting in money, and his God was gold, and his creed was greed. And Jesus said, you have to deal with that. At the deepest level, that's what you're going to have to deal with if you're going to have treasure in heaven, if you're going to receive eternal life. It requires a full surrender to the Lord. You know, we sing that song, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. We don't sing, I surrender some. We don't sing, I surrender most. If you surrender some to the Lord, you don't get saved. If you surrender most to the Lord, you don't get saved. You have to surrender all to him. And if you surrender all to him, then he comes into your life. Unless you give yourself to Jesus, he doesn't give himself to you. John chapter 2 makes that clear. People were, the Bible says people were believing on Jesus, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them. Why? Because they were surrendering some, because they were surrendering most. And unless you surrender all and and give your life to him in repentance and faith, he doesn't come in. This guy, this rich young ruler, here was his issue. He wanted salvation his way. True salvation comes God's way not your way. God's way, not your way. And here's a picture of a guy who wanted the Lord to give salvation his way. Lord, this is what I'm willing to do. And he wanted to negotiate with Jesus. Listen, when it comes to salvation, God is not playing, let's make a deal. He says, this is the deal. And you come my way or you don't come at all. And so Jesus says, this is what you need to do. You need to sell all that you have, give to the poor. You need to get rid of the God that's in your heart of money and materialism. And then you need to come after me, follow after me. I'm going to Jerusalem to the cross. You need to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. You need to die to yourself and follow after me. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then you'll receive eternal life. But it says in verse 22, But at these words, his face fell, and he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. He was sad. His face fell. Do you know in the Greek, that same word is used to describe storm clouds coming in and turning a blue sky into a dark sky. That's what happened to him. He had been in the light of the Son of God But when he heard those words, this is what I need to do in order to receive eternal life. I need to give up this God of gold, and I need to surrender to the God 
who's true. He wouldn't do it. His face fell. The storm clouds came in, and he walked away sad and grieved. Why? Because he's one who owned much property. He was extremely rich, as Luke tells us. And that's why Jesus said, hey, it's hard for a rich man to inherit eternal life. It's so hard. Why? Because a rich person has a strong tendency to put his faith and trust, her faith and trust, in their riches. They have a lot, and they end up trusting in their lot, and they're very unwilling to surrender all to Jesus. Salvation comes his way, not your way. And notice how Jesus doesn't run after this guy. He doesn't say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Surely we can work this out. Let's lower the bar some. I mean, you, you seem to be like a good guy. We, it'd be great to have you on our church, in our church, and, and you'd really help our image. And, uh, you know, you're an upstanding guy, and you have a lot of money you could give to the bottom line. That would help us. He doesn't do that. He lets that guy walk away. And he just says how hard it is for those who are rich to humble themselves to come my way. He doesn't change the requirements. Listen, there's only one way to heaven, and that's the Lord's way. And if you don't come his way, you won't come at all. You won't come at all. Now, I've had people tell me over the years, you know, Jeff, you, you preach a little too hard. You're, you're just kind of too, too rigid. You know, you, if you softened up a little bit, you, you would do better. You'd reach more people. You, you'd just, if you just kind of you know, tone it down some, but these hard lines that you draw, uh, that's not good. Well, that's the way I am. I had somebody tell me yesterday, and it was really a, a great compliment. Uh, they had gone off to college, and so they'd been exposed to other churches and other preachers, and they said, you know what I like about Pastor Jeff? He just lays it out there. And he said, I've, I've gone to some of these other churches and heard some of these other pastors, and they're so concerned about hurting people's feelings that they just kind of, he didn't say this, but they tiptoe through the tulips and, oh, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say that. I don't want to hurt you. I hope that didn't hurt your feelings. Listen, I'm not, I don't get up in the morning thinking, whose feelings can I hurt today? I mean, I'm not that kind of guy, but wouldn't you rather go to a doctor who tells you the truth about your condition than someone who lies to you? The Bible says, as preachers, we're to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, because what they need to hear will save their souls if they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Hey, the, the time is getting short, and the stakes are high. They last for all eternity, and Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know what this man got in exchange for his soul? Nothing. He kept his wealth for a time, and then he got old, and then he died, and then he went to hell. Now, it's such a contrast at the end of Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler versus the poor blind beggar Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus begging at Jericho. He's a guy that didn't have anything. 
But he heard the commotion when Jesus was passing by. He didn't know what it was, but he heard a lot of footsteps, and he said to someone, what is going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to quiet him. He wouldn't be quiet. He kept yelling all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, I recognize that you are the Messiah. You're the son of David, and I need mercy, and I need grace. And Jesus called for him. And said, what do you want me to do for, for you? And he said, Rabbani, which means my master, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said, be it done to you according to your word. Your faith has made you well. You know what that guy did when Jesus called for him? He had a coat, a cloak. That was probably the only thing that he really had. He's a beggar. He probably doesn't have anywhere to go. So his cloak was very important to him because it kept him warm at night. He used it to beg. And so when Jesus called for him, he threw his cloak aside he was one who was willing to give everything up, and he came to Jesus. That's how you come to Jesus. And he didn't leave the Lord sad. He didn't go away sad. The storm clouds didn't come in on that guy's life. He followed after the Lord rejoicing because he had been set free, set free from his blindness and set free from his spiritual blindness, which was the most important of all. Hey, you're going to either leave this place today and say, you know what, I, there's too high a price to follow Jesus. Uh, I just can't do that. I'm just going to keep following my religion. I'm just going to keep having this little religious system. It seems to work for me. You can't get saved your way. You get saved his way. You can keep going in the direction of the rich young ruler, but it's gonna, that, that, that road leads off a cliff that leads to hell forever. Or you can say, hey, this is my opportunity today to take the step, the all-important step into eternal life. I can do what blind Bartimaeus did. If Jesus would stop for a poor blind beggar, he'll stop for me. If he'll save a poor blind beggar, he'll save me if I come to him. Today is the day to make that decision. The next step for you is to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Save me. I surrender all to you. Have you honestly surrendered your all to Him through repentance and faith in Christ alone? And from His heart, we exist to provide that kind of clear and eternal truth to those who have ears to hear and a desire to understand why they were created to know God in the first place. We hope today's lesson has opened your heart to coming to Him and growing in Christ. The lesson is called The Step of Eternal Life from Pastor Jeff's seven-message series, The Next Step. Now, this month, we're in this inspiring and practical series called The Next Step. And as we've heard today, for some people, and maybe you, the next step is to find out how you can know for sure that you'll be in heaven for eternity with God. In Mark chapter 10, we read about the rich young ruler who asks Jesus this question, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And we learn that true salvation comes only God's way, and that's through a willing, not forced, but willing, full surrender to Him in repentance and faith. How will you respond to the Lord's invitation to trust Him? Will you respond like the rich young ruler, or will you take the next step into eternal life? In Pastor Jeff Shreve's seven-message series, The Next Step, he helps us learn how God would hope that you would respond to that call from Him. And then the series will take you into the steps for maturing in your faith so you can live the abundant Christian life that you never hear about in our secular world. 
If you'd like to learn these next steps, you can get your copy of the series when you make a gift from his heart this month of any amount. Call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, or go online to fromhisheart.org and request the series when you make that gift securely online. Again, call 866-40-BIBLE or go to fromhisheart.org. And be sure to join us next time right here for the next message in Pastor Jeff's series, The Next Step. That's when we'll again open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from God's heart. Here on From His Heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who for 20 years has been broadcasting the truth and love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.